If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. So, would love to welcome Bill Reddy, who runs all product and engineering at PayPal, and Gavin Michael, head of digital at Chase. Gentlemen. First time in the red chairs? Yeah. First time in the chair. Less comfortable or more comfortable than you thought?、Uh, comfortable so far. We'll see, we'll see、uh, in a few minutes. It's going to get very, <laughs> very hot.、Um, so, so I, don't know, I don't know if either of you care for my description about PayPal acting a little more like a bank over the years and Chase trying to act more like.、Uh, A tech company. So let's, let's start there.、Yeah. That smile is, is not an, I agree with Jason Del Rey, he's the smartest payments reporter <laughs> in the world smile. We, we agree on many other things, Jason.、Uh, That's awesome.、Um, no, we, we, one of the things I think people misunderstand about us is that we, we partner with a lot of banks and, and, and you know, very distinctly think about. Uh, much more about commerce experiences, how we help consumers and merchants with those commerce experiences, those kinds of things, not necessarily with the aspirations to go be a bank. In fact, we work very closely with you know, many of the largest banks in the world, and so、uh, we think of ourselves much more as a、uh, technology enabler that can give people access to a lot of financial services,、yep. not necessarily the provider of those financial services all the so time. So when I see lending services I, from PayPal, I don't think bank, It, I think. Yeah, I think. Partner? In, 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 that's right. In, in, in most of those, you, we're oftentimes working with banking partners on many, many of those, those products. Got it. And Gavin, I, you know, it's really interesting、um, see, I am a Chase customer. That's not a plug. I told Gavin, I don't know when or how that happened, but I've sort of stuck with it. Thank you、um, for your business. Yeah. <laughs> We that appreciate was, that it. It was a ringing, it was a good endorsement, right?、Um, so I, I wonder how you think about. Um, your role. Are you, are you leading this digital team with an eye toward forgetting that there's physical branches because someday they, there won't be? Or do you have to, are there sacrifices you have to make in, in how you think about how the two should work together? It's important that it's a cohesive experience. So we work very closely across our businesses to understand how we best serve our customers. I mean, customer habits are changing. One could say they've already changed.、Uh, look at our numbers. You know, 20... Is that a nice way of saying no one goes into no, branches? No, because we still see the same footfall of the branches. We're just servicing customers in a different way. You know, 22 million of our customers are using the mobile app, 33 million online. 
Um, you know, we saw over the summer the number of mobile interactions cross the number of web interactions. So you know, we know it's something that our customers are using. It's our fastest growing channel. But it's not an or, it's an and. You know, our branches are becoming advice centers. They're becoming places people go to learn and to, to deepen their relationships. And the, the digital devices give us alternate and additional engagement points. Got it. So one space you both play in um, is the idea, space of peer-to-peer -peer payments or basically sending money to a friend or someone you just sold, you know, I was going to say Yankee tickets, but my Yankees are no longer in, in need of tickets, um, <laughs> sadly. So um, PayPal has been doing this a long time. Yep. You uh, were the CEO of Braintree with which PayPal bought, and Braintree bought Venmo years ago. Um, and if anyone here doesn't know Venmo, um, there, there are not many 20-something-year-olds 20 I know who, who don't use it. Um, how, how big a part of the overall business yeah. is peer-to-peer, -peer and what does it, what does it accomplish yeah. for the business? Yeah, so you know, you mentioned Venmo. Venmo has become one of the most successful mobile apps in the world, uh, doing P2P payments, um, doing billions of dollars of volume per, per quarter. And the thing that that we thought about in terms of like how does P2P sort of fit into this overall picture is that I think many of us in the in the industry have this view that because it doesn't generate direct revenue now. Is that no? Fair? But it's, it's, that's right. Uh, however, we think about it as part of an overall picture of, of, of what can a consumer do. What do we give a consumer access to? And you know, with that product, just like many other products and payments, consumers don't pay directly, but when merchants accept, then, then you know, we monetize that way. And for P2P generally, you know, there's been this sort of view in the space that most people in payments would agree that you know, eventually we'll reach a point in time where you use the mobile device to pay for everything. Uh, and people have been sort of saying that since you know, uh, you know, for, the, for the last almost decade now. The place where there's a lot of difference is what's the sequence of events that get us there and what are those right first use cases that really catch on for consumers? And P2P is one of those use cases that we bet really big on that we felt was a really right first use case because it's sort of a, a way that the phone could really help uh, to, to facilitate behavior that consumers already have where they're splitting the tab at dinner or you know, for a round of drinks at the bar. And so we've seen huge growth in that. But that then ties into in-app purchases, e-commerce, all these kinds of things, which is how we monetize in a traditional way. And for Chase, I don't, I don't know how many Chase, well, you'll give me some stats, hopefully, but I, I don't know how many Chase customers are aware of, of the, uh, quick remind pay. me, Chase QuickPay. Uh, I use it for family, for family members. Um, it's kind of hidden in the site right now in some ways, but... Is that, is that a real part of your business? Absolutely. I mean, QuickPay last year did 30 million transactions, a billion dollars worth of volume. It's an important part for engagement because we know that our customers are, are, are looking for payments all the time, and P2P is an important part of that. It sees us be able to have our customers send money to anyone in Chase, anyone with a bank account in the U.S., we were a founding member of Clear Exchange, which has been one of the directories to help us improve the interoperability between ourselves, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. And you know, we see it as a place where customers send money, it goes straight into their bank account, it counts towards their minimum daily balances, it, it's available at an ATM. Um, if it's a chase-to-chase -chase transaction, it's near real time, it's there when you need it. So it's an important part for us. It's a billion dollars worth of volume, it's people paying rent, it's people paying gifts, it's people paying IOUs. 
are you are you envious in any way of what a what a Venmo has done with that demographic? And is there consideration of maybe maybe the Chase Chase brand's a trusted brand? Maybe we should break it out as a separate service or a separate app. So I think you see us with when we look at Quick Pay, it's available through the mobile app, it's available online, it's available in the Chase Freedom app, a new app we just recently launched that's the companion app to our Freedom Credit Card. And so what we're doing is making it more available in an easier way. You know, we're very focused on the customer experience. Um, we're very focused on taking friction out of the customer experience and creating those simple, personal, human experiences for our, for our customers. So we focus very much on how can we do better, where can we do better, what can we learn about how our customers are using it and continue to improve it. But giving accessibility, that's why we put it into the Freedom app as a way for customers to be able to see it easily, find it, and use it. So, so on, the top, on the same topic, but talking a bit more around security and regulation, um, so Venmo's really easy to use. Um, I feel it kind of walks a fine line where people you know, will sell something to their roommate on it, pair of tickets or something, but when you get into selling to someone on Craigslist, for example, um, that's a violation. Maybe it's all a violation of terms of service, mm -hmm. but... but um, sort of the line is drawn there. And so there have been publicized cases of people being scammed, you know, trying to sell something via Venmo. Um, I assume there are agencies that look at that closely and, and worry about that a bit. So what, what do you do about instances like that where yeah. it is violating terms of service, but... It's not a good thing for you, no yeah, matter what. Yeah, I think specifically, so, so one, you know, we have led the way in the industry on security with Venmo, so some tangible examples of that. We do multi-factor authentication for every single user. I don't know that, you know, I think in the banking space is a place that That's, I thought that was relatively new. It's, it's relatively new, but if you compare that to, say, you know, what's happening in the banking space, you know, very few banking apps would require multi-factor authentication. Certainly wouldn't be for all users. And many, many banking apps, even for, amongst large banks, I don't know what the situation is for Chase, but I know there are several large banks that are still, uh, still trying to even offer multi-factor authentication, yet we're doing it for 100% of our users. So you, know, you look at things like that. We also guarantee users uh, from fraudulent transactions, those kinds of things. That said, you know, I think the specific example that you're, you're citing uh, was somebody buying iPhones out of the back of a van. Um, and I think there are more than one. Yeah, th 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 not all iPhones. Yeah, there's some others of these, but I think even with you know Craigslist and things like that, I think where people choose to exchange money in sort of a forum that uh, you know may not sort of you know be explicitly for for those kinds of purposes, I think people expose themselves to those things. So you know our terms of service are very much for person-to-person -person transactions or in-app transactions. Yep. And so we do a lot of other things that are industry-leading to go protect the consumer. There are some things where if you're going to go transact, you know, uh, with, with uh, sort of people you don't know and those kinds of things, uh, it's, so it's hard to always provide protection against those. So it's a bad choice by the consumer and tough we, luck. We, we, we lead the industry in protections on a number of fronts well beyond the rest of the industry. I think, again, there are certain of those kinds of things that any product like that, we, you could have used any P2P product out there yep. to go conduct that transaction and had a similar kind of exposure. Okay, let's, let's turn to um, mobile wallets for a second. Um, it's getting a little hot up here. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm curious how, so Chase, you're, so participate in Apple Pay, 
correct? Yes. Um, Android Pay either have we're, said or announced in Android Pay and in Samsung Pay and Samsung Pay not not integrated yet. We're in, not integrated, but, but, yeah. but will be. Will be. So do you? Is there? I mean, how do you get a competitive advantage in these wallets? Because I, I understand the point of view of wanting to be everywhere, but it only matters if you're at the top of that digital wallet, right? So, you know, we, we take a view of payments and we look at it through three lenses. Firstly is we do want to be, you know, if our customers have a debit or a credit card, we want, to be able to, we want them to be able to use it, you know, in places that they choose. So that's why we were early into Apple Pay, we're in Samsung Pay, and we're in Android Pay. Um, what's important to us when we think about this is how do we provide another experience? So we have what we're doing in third-party wallets. We have our own proprietary experience. We piloted Chase Pay earlier this year, which was an online ex um, experience for our customers. And then we have ChaseNet, which is our direct connection with merchants. It's our proprietary network powered by Visa. How does that work? How does so, that work for people who don't know? So we have a, a piece of the Visa network that runs our Visa transactions. So when you're in a merchant running over ChaseNet to us with our Visa transactions, they work between us and uh, the merchant seamlessly. But on the consumer end? On the consumer end, it allows us then to do more with the consumer as well. So what we're able to do is we build on that closed loop is to be able to build those really innovative and creative payment experiences, which sort of looks at the whole gamut of the payment before you start, when you're in transaction, and afterwards. You know, we want to have simple, safe, and rewarding experiences, and we think we can do that with the assets that we have. We think we're uniquely placed to do that. In addition, we want to be where our customers are. And so that does not mean doing your own in-store payments in your own app. We continue to look at how we innovate. So I know some banks are, are thinking about that, saying, again, we're a financial trusted brand. Yeah, it's great, Apple, Google, Samsung. You do have huge user bases, but will people trust? trust again, them? I go back to it's those three things. Be first in wallet where we are, continue to work on proprietary experiences like Chase Pay, like the online experience, and then power it with ChaseNet, which is our direct connection. Does PayPal ever become a, fund, a funding source inside some of these wallets, or do you have you given up on that idea? And um, I know you've acquired some companies that make technology mm -hmm. that power some mobile wallets. Yeah, um, had I think the you know sort of the, this term of you know how do you think about a wallet, right? So you know Starbucks was cited as an example earlier on. PayPal's a funding source inside of Starbucks and has been one of the most popular funding sources from sort of the beginning of, of, uh, of, of sort of the Starbucks app and, and, and the success there. Same with Uber and a lot of these other kinds of things that you could think of as sort of different varieties of maybe sort of specific purpose wallets. Um, and then the, the precise example that you're noting is that we acquired uh, Padient, that's the provider behind MCX, the consortium of uh, you know, many of the largest retailers out there that are forming together to bring their own wallet and we're providing technology behind that. So this Just is one taken a long time to get to market. That's right, but they're, but they're in market now, and I yep. think um, you know, the, the, the more macro point in sort of what's happening is that you know, we're, we're really sort of living in the, sort of the age of the digital wallet, and you have many new players coming in, um, but, but why is that the case? People taking different angles, all these kinds of things. But really this move to the age of the digital wallet, you know, sort of PayPal as the most widely used trusted digital wallet in the world sort of popularized this over the last 15 years. And as big a business as PayPal is, having done 235 billion plus in volume last year, 
digital wallet has been sort of a nice to have for the last 15 years. And we're moving into a time where digital wallets become a must have. And the reason for that is that mobiles now become the primary computing device. And on a mobile device, people just aren't going to go key in a bunch of data and uh, you know, type in card numbers and shipping addresses and billing addresses and passwords and all these kinds of things. And so the thing that is clear is that digital wallet is becoming a must have kind of service. And so as we move to that, you know, certainly you know, we, we think that's a very favorable trend for us where we'll continue to be you know, one of the, you know, uh, the, the, a leader in the space. But what we're also doing is enabling a lot of others, and I think a lot of people don't understand about us. So, so Padient is an example. We're helping provide the wallet behind uh, MCX, but we're also one of the largest partners of Apple Pay and Android Pay and several others of these where we think in a, the general in a trend. In a different, not in a consumer-facing way. That's right, but, but behind the scenes, uh, you know, we're enabling apps to go accept that, uh, and we monetize in very similar ways in those situations as we do you know, to when somebody would have pressed the PayPal button. So it's something that we look at the general trend is actually very favorable, uh, and, and yes, we play in a way specifically with you know, the PayPal wallet, but we're actually trying to help others to bring their wallets to market as well. So Gavin, there's a, um, there are a host of startups that are sort of, on the surface, they might look bank-like, but they are essentially building very pretty layers on top of existing banking services. Um, so there, there have been some that have been acquired by traditional banks um, after realizing it's probably the best outcome for them and they're not going to end up being the next Chase or may not want to. Um, do you, does Chase have an aggressive acquisition strategy or any acquisition strategy when it comes to digital? We've, we've focused very much on building our talent organically. Um, so the strategy is no acquisitions? Working to take the best talent we can against the problem so we continue to innovate on the customer experience, as you were saying. I mean, that's, that's the new frontier is how do we create those experiences that are, you know, I'll go back to simple, personal, and human. You see it in the way we did the mobile app. The talent that we used to create that and when we built that app, we did it in under 100 days, which challenges some of the expectations that you would think about delivery within a bank. The talent that's put that together has been talent that we've acquired and hired in a very organic fashion. Got it. Paying them lots of lots of money to leave Facebook or PayPal. So think or... about this. When we go to talk to a developer or a designer, we're talking about giving them a canvas that reaches 40 million customers. They get their app downloaded. We put out a new version uh, for iOS 9 on the, on the Apple Store. Yeah, we're closing in on 9,000 reviews. This is in a couple of weeks. So this is an yeah, it's app. Real it's real scale. It's yeah. real scale. It's yep. real volume. And it's a way to deal with a customer in the most intimate way through that digital device, through that digital interface. So you don't, so you don't deal with any... You, is there some friction around the idea that you're hiring tech talent and, you have, and those people are thinking, this is a bank, this isn't, you know the next great consumer app? I, basically, is the scale enough, or do you think you fight some I, I, No, I think the scale is enough, because I think the way in which customers interact with this digitally and the frequency at which they're doing it is really what is allowing us to power those great experiences. You know, I sit here in a pair of jeans, as they do in San Francisco, as they do in, in New York, in our other sites. I mean, what we're building is an environment where that sort of talent and culture thrives. Got it. Um, so a topic that might have been really sexy a year ago would have been, let's leave blockchain aside, but just the idea of using Bitcoin as, mm -hmm. uh, as a method of transacting. Mm -hmm. Braintree, your uh, merchant service, accepts Bitcoin. That's right. Um, what's, what do you see there? Is there, I mean, 
I mean, this is, this is not, uh, I think it's become sort of the, the tagline that everybody uses now, but I think you can find me on the record three or four years ago saying the blockchain probably matters a lot more than the currency I'm gonna itself. I'm going to look that up. I'm um, going to come back and email yeah. everyone in this room <laughs> the answer. That's right. Uh, I am quite certain of it. Um, okay. uh, you can do the research. It's there. Um, but I think the currency side of it, I think, you know, uh, it's obviously had sort of its, its uh uh, its issues, but I think the technology aspect of this, sort of this distributed trust issue, I think is one that's going to be really interesting and, and maybe as foundational as what sort of TCP IP was for the internet. Yep. But if you think about like what was TCP IP in 1991, I think that may be where we are with sort of like blockchain and sort of where we are now, right? You have several years before we really get to sort of massive use cases. Do you have that. product or engineering teams specifically playing around with blockchain? Uh, we, 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 um, yes. We, we, we work with, you know, a number of sort of prospective technologies. That said, we are also very focused on, like, what are people doing right now and what works right now, right? And that's, I think, a place where we've been a little bit different than uh, some of the mobile payments conversation where, as, you know, as much as there's sort of all this conversation about, uh, hey, you know, how long does it take for, like, in-store to take off and all these kinds of things, yep. we're doing many tens of billions of dollars of mobile transactions because we have as much as we have our eye on the long game, we've also really focused on what's working right now and sort of e-commerce on the mobile device, in-app payments, all these kinds of things are very much where sort of the mobile revolution is happening now. And, and we've, I think, delivered on that at a scale that is hard to rival. Um, at the same time, we definitely have our eye on the long game as to you know, what might happen 10 years from now with you know, uh, you know, a number of different types of technologies. I know on the institutional side of banks, there's a lot of interest, a lot of funding going toward um, blockchain technology um, as, a, as a new method of tr transferring ownership online. Um, does that come into your world at all, or no, I mean, you leave look, that as, for? As Bill said, we look through the, the Bitcoin to the blockchain, the underlying technology. I think it has really interesting use cases around financial transactions and around process automation. But as you said, I mean, that sits more on the institutional side right now. Um, we have some time for some questions, if um, we have any. Otherwise, I can keep heckling these guys for <laughs> we could heckle you. hours. I planted some people. Yeah, uh, tell us who you are. And uh, I'm Fernando from FCB Chicago, so I'm a lifelong Chase member <laughs> since high school. So I actually have two questions. Thank you, sir. One first for Gavin. Um, my background has been in software, primarily in mobile in Chicago. So when I think of Chase, I think of a leader in financial services with the scanning of the check. And then QuickPay, I think, was revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the feature that you guys have done in the, on mobile has created the less need to go into the bank. But my question is, have you guys thought of delivering on customer experience inside the bank? Because it's once every quarter I have to go in for whatever reason. And I still have to take the same slip of paper that I had in high school and fill it out. That process hasn't changed. So it's just curiosity if you're paying attention into what happens on those few occasions when you go in. I, I think it's a great question. And, and firstly, as I said, thank you for your business. That quick deposit product did 45 million check deposits last year, just as a, another stat to leave you with. You're, you, um, it's like you come prepared with them. <laughs> no, it just they're so big, they're easy to remember. Yeah. But the, the, your question is exactly right. It's back to that cohesive point of the experience. What we want customers to be able to do is to take the very good stuff we're doing on the digital channel and help improve that relationship across all our touch points. So, you know, absolutely, we're thinking about how we work. 
um, across the organization. And you know, I work very closely with my colleagues on, uh, within, within the bank on exactly those questions. How do we improve the customer experience? How do we take what we're learning on the mobile place on the, on the digital channel, and how do we deploy that more into our branches? You see it a little bit with our ATMs right now. You'll see the ATMs changing. You'll see them have more functionality. They have a little bit of the same look and feel. That's our first foray in. You can expect to see a lot more. We're very excited by what we have to, to Thank offer. You. And then my second question is for both of you, uh, and I say this as a father who's a lifelong Unix programmer but still has a flip phone. What has been the one key for both of you to have people who are not tech savvy, who are not the first adopters, jump on to PayPal or even just think of I can deposit a check via my phone as opposed to I have to go to the brick and mortar with a security guard? You know, What has been the one key for both of you to help in that area? I, I think... For us, it's very much about making the experience just as simple as possible for our customers to be able to do. You know, showing you when you go to take the photo of the check, fill in your account, fill in the amount, photograph the front, photograph the back, submit, you're done. It's really for us continuing to take the friction out of the experience, look to get fewest number of taps, fewest number of clicks. You know, take that experience, put it online. You see that with the homepage. We have a lot more coming in that space as well. So for us, it's really about understanding how our consumers use the technology and how do we just keep lowering the barrier. Yeah, I mean, it's similar for us. I mean, this is sort of at the core of what we do that, you know, from sort of the genesis of PayPal, it's been about taking sort of new kinds of commerce experiences, sort of new contexts where commerce could happen and making it just easily accessible for the masses, right? That, you know, at the, at the sort of dawn of Internet commerce saying, well, hey, there is this thing happening where people were trying to, you know, buy on eBay, but they were sending each other paper checks. Well, PayPal stood in to solve that. And then as, you know, e-commerce started to move, you know, to, you know, a much broader set, democratizing that as well. And now as you think about mobile happening where, you know, while there's, you know, much of the world saying, well, boy, how do we start to get, you know, mobile commerce happening, you know, out of the 235 billion plus in volume that we did last year, you know, our business is 30% mobile. So we're democratizing a huge amount of this in, in the way that we do it is we say, hey, for the average user, how do we democratize for the average user just simple, simple, easy access to these new forms of commerce, new ways to pay. Um, and by the way, that's not just for consumers, it's for merchants as well, where we do for small businesses that never could have had access to online commerce, uh, you know, they now have easy access to those kinds of things. Um, so, so very much at the core of, of what we do and, you know, lots more to come on that. Thank you both. Thank you. We have time for one more question. We have one lucky person who wants to ask that question. Anyone? No? No? Um, is there a day when it does not make sense for Venmo and PayPal brands to both exist? The, the, the Venmo experience is really sort of unique, as, as I know you know, um, that you know, Venmo is very much you know, as a person-to-person -person experience. You could think of it as, as its own digital wallet, but social is sort of deeply embedded into the experience. That, you know, as soon as you open the Venmo app, the first thing you see is actually the social feed. Um, and, and so you know, we think about that as like, you know, hey, it's its own unique experience. That really, really resonates as the, as the growth has shown, uh, you know, with with a certain uh, type of user that wants a certain type of experience. But you know, I don't know that everybody's ready for that yet. And so, you know, we have a multi-app strategy around that, just as many do. That uh, you know, if you I wasn't think, necessarily suggesting that PayPal brand would go away. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> could, could work both ways. No, no. I mean, PayPal now is you know, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of the most widely known trusted brands in the world, uh, and so that's one of the things that you know when people see that PayPal brand, uh, they know that's going to be a safe, secure, easy transaction that they're protected. Uh, and we do that because we can operate end to end on the network. So, so there's a huge amount of equity in, in the PayPal brand, but Venmo certainly is is building up, uh, so you know, its own its own brand around a different kind of experience that that brings social into the the whole commerce experience. So they're going to both exist. That's fine. So that's very much sort of the, the way that we're proceeding is that there are unique experiences and, and, and you know, each user loves those experiences for different reasons. And, okay. uh, but you, what, what you are starting to see is that, you know, Venmo is coming more and more into, you know, the, the kinds of ways that you could pay, how you could pay a merchant and those kinds of things, while starting with Venmo Touch that has now sort of helped to, to move into PayPal One Touch and those kinds of things, you're seeing Venmo come into some of these places where you can use it for more than just person to person. But Got you don't it. need to change the brand for that. Okay, so we're out of time. Thanks so much, guys. Excellent. Bill. Thank you, Jason. Gavin. Thanks, uh, you guys. Bye. Bye.